This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. MySpace, where friend zone was a good thing. Founded in 2003, this social media outlet was a leader in its arena, defining much of what we know about social media today. But despite everyone having a mutual friend in Tom, in 2008, a bunch of poor business decisions and lack of competitive edge would make them lose a lot of friends and followers to Facebook. But MySpace continued to cling on like that quiet childhood classmate or that weird cousin you keep in touch with just out of obligation. So let's poke around and share the secrets of what took this social media platform out of the friend zone and into a forgotten link. This is MySpace on the Brink. Hi, I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Ariel Caston. And you're listening to The Brink, where we are exploring the almost forgotten website, MySpace. I mean, it still exists, like we said. Yeah, but I mean, I think there are people who might be listening to this podcast right now who are like, what? What yeah. is what is MySpace? Or I've heard of that, but I've never I've visited never it. I've never seen it. So, uh, interest of full disclosure... Ariel and I both, at least once upon a time, had active MySpace accounts. Yes, I think I maybe added two things to mine. I was a desperate clinger to LiveJournal prior to joining Facebook, but I kind of made an almost direct link. I had a MySpace, but I didn't utilize it. I used MySpace quite a bit for a while, and I, I clung to it for a while. I actually had a MySpace profile, and when, when Facebook finally opened up and allowed old people like me who were no longer college students <laughs> yes. to finally join, I I maintain both a MySpace and a Facebook profile. But they did fall off the brink, I would argue. Mm-hmm. Like the, the value of that company plummeted, plummeted to a ridiculous amount. When you look at how much it was 
valued at its peak versus how much it was last sold for, it was a phenomenal difference. Yeah. Uh, But like we said, they didn't completely go away. No, they just fell into obscurity. Yeah, so it's not like this is one of those stories where you have a company that has gone into, say, bankruptcy and just Mm -hmm. sort of faded out. Uh, Even our Toys R Us story, we talked about how that company seemingly was gone for good, and then now there's a... Uh, uh, an effort to yes. sort of resurrect the brand. MySpace never quite went to fully dead. It's only mostly, mostly dead. dead. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about its history before we get into what happened. Sure. So MySpace was founded in 2003, as we said in the intro, by Christy Wolf and Tom Anderson. Tom Anderson being your friend, friend Tom, Tom, when you who, get joined yeah, MySpace. Everybody gets a friend with Tom. Yep. Or did, at least. In the beginning, they weren't actually a social media site. They were an e-marketing site called eUniverse, and they sold things like diet pills and stuff you you might Google to see, is this actually legit? Yeah, and they were looking around at some of the other sites that were starting to get popularity, and we could even do an episode on this social media platform at some point. They were looking at a thing that was called Friendster. Now, did you have a Friendster account? I did not. Friendster was one of those things that came and went before I ever, I think maybe I checked it out once or twice, but I never made an event, uh, a a profile for it. Mm -hmm. There are a couple of social media sites that fall into that category. Uh, But they looked at Friendster. It was a popular site. They saw that there was a lot of what we would now call engagement. Mm -hmm. And they thought, we want to see that kind of activity on what we're working on. How can we do that? Yeah. Yeah. So they basically just copied it. (laughs) So that (laughs) that turned out to be a working strategy. Yeah. And it was specifically so that they could do uh, what is called influencer marketing. Yeah. This is something that we're all pretty familiar with these days. It's, you know, the idea of people who get big followings on social media and then brands will reach out to them and have those mm-hmm. people leverage their fame to market on behalf of those brands. Yeah, so what they did to get those influencers was they went and they recruited all of the quote-unquote hot girls that Friendster had kicked off of their social media site to join MySpace, um, as well as bands and photographers. Really anybody who your average Joe Schmo would want to follow and be a internet friend of. Yeah, so essentially the the tried and true method of how can we attract people to this site? Well, mm-hmm. for guys, let's just give them the feeling that all of these extremely attractive women want to be friends with yes. them. Yes. The strategy did work. However, later on, much, much later on, analysts would say, that using that strategy was sort of a predictor that MySpace would inevitably fail because they were coming at the angle of creating a social networking platform from the wrong position. Yeah. That they weren't doing it as social networking first, then find a way to monetize it. They were looking at a way to monetize something, and they went to the social networking side. Now, in defense of MySpace, there wasn't a whole lot of precedent for what they were doing. I think that focusing on on the individual instead of on the networking, it's it's something that is called Reed's Law, mm-hmm. actually, where they say that the success of a social network is to get the people to connect with each other and do so within groups. Yeah, if you get— Like-minded groups. The more people you can get active on your social networking site, the more valuable— the site is. Mm-hmm. So, and it has to do with not just, not really just the number, but also the value of the connections between the people. And as we will discover, one of MySpace's challenges 
was allowing for those meaningful connections to happen. Yeah, yeah. In 2004, MySpace breaks 1 million users a month. Mm-hmm. And now they're getting some bigger names to promote their site, like R.E.M., yeah, the band. we're familiar with because, you know, those are local boys. Yes. Out of Athens, yeah, Georgia. I like them. And they made some design decisions that were interesting. Yeah, I mean, at face value, they seem pretty cool. They decided to let the members guide how to build the site. So anybody could take their profile page and add whatever widgets, videos, backgrounds, backgrounds, articles they wanted to Special cursors. Yeah, which, you know, from a user standpoint, like, this is super customizable. This is really cool. But in actuality, it just led to a bunch of really messy, cluttered stuff. Yeah, Yeah, eyesores. With the Facebook profiles, you know, you can add things like photos. You can change out your little cover photo Mm -hmm. at the top and your profile picture. And if you want to, you can do things that affect your Facebook profile, but not anyone else's. Like you could change the language. Yes. Like to pirate or something. Yes. But MySpace had it where you could actually change the the appearance of your profile, the background color. You could put a photo up like that could be like a tiled photo as your mm-hmm. background cover. Ugh. You could put in various songs that were connected to MySpace. So you could have songs playing automatically mm-hmm. if you wanted to. So as soon as someone visited your profile, you know, yeah. Matchbox 20 would be blasting at you. I remember that. So it was definitely one of those things that I felt, one, there was not a cohesive experience, right? Mm-hmm. You could go to two different profiles and have two wildly different reactions to it. And for another it meant that a lot of people just kind of took a kitchen sink approach to their profiles. Like yeah. any, any sort of switch they could toggle on, they were going to toggle. And it made it super irritating. It actually reminded me a lot of uh, GeoCities, which is another company we could cover on the brink at some yes. point. So not the best mm-hmm. experience once these things were all implemented, although many of them were introduced over time. So it wasn't like it just yeah. instantaneously went to... An eyesore. Yeah, and it didn't have a negative effect immediately. In fact, MySpace is doing so well that in 2005, it was purchased by News Corp, headed by Rupert Murdoch, for $580 million. Yeah, that, yeah, more than half a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time, people thought, that's a whole lot of money, Yes. right? Now, in retrospect, people have said that was way too much money. And yes. part of this was because they were in a bidding war wasn't just that they were... Yeah, you know, they were actually fighting with Viacom yeah. to buy it. So this this was something where you had two very wealthy companies with very deep pockets ready to go after the same property. Mm-hmm. Things didn't go sour immediately. It's, no. Again, the narrative tends to be that News Corp spent way too much money buying MySpace and then MySpace tanked. But in reality, that's not exactly no. what happened. No. So News Corp bought MySpace. They're like, you guys do your thing. Yeah, we're not going to micromanage. Yeah, but they're a big company. Mm-hmm. And so with a big company comes red tape to make any changes, to develop things, to resolve conflicts. And so even though they didn't intend to interfere, they were still interfering, but they yeah. weren't interfering in a progressive way. Right. This, this is one of those issues where you've got the culture clash from two mm-hmm. different organizations. And when they merge together, you have to figure out how to reconcile that. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, by September of 2005, MySpace was up to 27 million members. And in the following year, they would become the most popular, the top social network site in Mm -hmm. the United States. Now, again, to be fair, at least when 2006 opens, 
you're looking at a pretty barren field for social networking sites, right? Facebook was only open to college students. Yes. Facebook had launched in 2004. And by 2006, they were open to more than a couple of dozen college campuses. But if you didn't have a valid college email, you could not have a Facebook profile. That was frustrating. Yeah. Because I had friends who uh, do theater. So I've got friends all over the age spectrum. And I had some older friends who were using their old college emails to get in. And I was very envious. Yeah. Um, I I had already graduated college, so I didn't have the opportunity. And I didn't maintain a college mm -hmm. email address. So... Yeah, I was not able to get a Facebook account when it first opened. Yeah. Also, why would I need one? I already had you a had MySpace, MySpace and MySpace didn't have that restriction. Yeah. Also, at this time, MySpace lands a really good deal. Uh, they make a deal with Google, an exclusive deal for ads for three years for nine hundred million dollars based on site traffic. That's an enormous enormous ad deal, obviously. Yes. However, it had an effect on the user experience as well, right? Yes, because it was an enormous ad deal, which meant an enormous amount of ads, which made these already cluttered sites even more cluttered Mm. with things that you couldn't necessarily turn off all of these ads that MySpace wanted to push, the whole behind purpose for MySpace. And meanwhile, uh, MySpace was also starting to get into some trouble due to the fact that there were these rather lascivious, provocative images, let Mm -hmm. us say, Uh, racy, as you have put in our photos. And this was, again, that was like one of the initial strategies that they had to attract people to the site. But now they were starting to get a lot more attention about these racy photos and to the point where people were starting to question whether or not MySpace might even be a porn site. Yeah, yeah. There were investigations launched to figure out whether they were exposing pornography to minors. Mm -hmm. So now you've got people thinking, well, maybe this isn't the safest place for me or my family. Maybe instead I should look to alternatives. And Facebook was right around the corner in September 2006. Facebook would open up the platform so that anyone with an email address who was 13 years or older could get a Facebook profile. Now, people did and do still get around that age limit. Despite all that, in 2007, MySpace is still going strong, despite the people saying, well, maybe I should try Facebook. Facebook might be a safer place for us. And despite the reputation. MySpace had about 300 million registered users and a evaluation of 12 billion. 12 billion. That's based on numbers that May or may not come true, so... Right. That's a number that's often cited, that $12 billion valuation. It is very difficult to nail down exactly where that value was. It was largely in the promise of having 300 million people and an X amount of landscape where they could potentially show advertising and a estimation of how much those ads would be worth. It was Mm -hmm. based on a lot of... Estimations, essentially. However, at this time, in MySpace's heyday of use, News Corp decides that it wants to start focusing on something else, and that something else is trying to buy the Wall Street Journal. And meanwhile, Facebook is starting to catch up. It had not caught up entirely to MySpace Mm -hmm. yet, but it was chomping at the heels. So here is MySpace at its peak, valued at $12 billion, tons of users. Facebook is catching up, but it looked like at the time that even if Facebook did catch up, there'd still be plenty of room for both platforms to coexist. However, as it turns out, even though no one was sure about it yet, MySpace was actually on the brink 
and it was just about to fall off. We'll explain more in just a moment, but first let's take a break to thank our sponsor. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. All right, come here. Check the backseat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. All right, so by 2008, MySpace was making good money for a social media site. Again, not a whole lot of competition out there. Yeah. But they're making good money, $900 million and counting. Later on in 2008, Facebook takes their number one spot for number of users. MySpace was still getting more traffic until 2009, but Facebook just had more users than MySpace. And by the way, that would never change. Facebook, Facebook would never lose that spot to MySpace from this point moving forward. Yeah. So while MySpace still had more traffic on a day-to-day basis, that was limited because Facebook was already in the lead and it was never going to look back. And it's fair to note that Facebook at this time in 2008 was already ahead of MySpace overseas. This is when it overtook MySpace in the United States. Mm -hmm. So a complete overtake in that regard. And right toward the end of 2008 and into the beginning of 2009, another big change happens. Uh, DeWolf and Anderson both leave the company. So the the co-founders of MySpace leave at that point. And they both have had things to say about the direction of MySpace, both when they were running it and when News Corp took Mm -hmm. over. And they're fairly candid. In fact, I've read interviews where they were pretty clear about their own mistakes. It wasn't just pointing at News Corp and saying, they're the reason that things messed up. They said, we made some bad decisions. Tom Anderson, for one, said, I had this social aspect in my head from the beginning, but instead of building it from the onset, we kind of tried to overlay it later on. And that was more difficult than we expected. Right. But DeWolf would leave first. He would step down officially on April 22nd, 2009. Mm -hmm. And at this point, cracks were starting to show. 
in MySpace. So this got to a point also where we have to talk about a feature MySpace had that paradoxically hurt the company, although it's something we normally associate with good business practice, which is transparency. Yeah. On Facebook and a lot of social media applications, you cannot see when somebody unfriends you Mm -hmm. or leaves the site. Yeah, like on Twitter, if someone unfollows me, I don't automatically know that they've done that. Yeah, on Facebook, you can decline someone's friend request and unless they follow up on it, they won't know. Mm -hmm. Or you can defriend them later. And again, unless they follow up on it and say, hey, why am I not seeing posts from this person? Mm -hmm. They don't know, which is, you know, can be good or bad depending on how many people that person is following. Right. But on MySpace, when you try to access somebody's account, you can see the last time they accessed it and whether they are an active user or not. Mm -hmm. So if you go on and you see that these people that you were following are no longer using MySpace either frequently or at all, you might go, why am I even still here? Why am I here? Maybe I should stop using it too. So that ended up actually being a weakness for MySpace. Yes. One of the other things that was starting to become clear is that Facebook had been built from the ground up as this social networking Mm -hmm. platform, whereas MySpace had come from more of an entertainment perspective. And in fact, MySpace would really lean into that entertainment side quite a bit as time would go on. It would double and triple and quadruple down on being related to entertainment, largely the music industry, but not only the music yeah. industry. Yeah, well, I mean, largely the music industry because they were the first adopters, yeah. pretty much. And then uh, one of the other things that differentiated MySpace from Facebook was that on Facebook, if you wanted a profile, you had to use your actual name. And MySpace, they wanted you to use a handle or, you know, an alias. Yeah. And this requires some backtracking a little bit. Back in the early days of the internet, the general thought was that you would use a handle, a nickname, everywhere. You wouldn't share genuine personal information. That's not safe. It's so different now. (laughs) Now we get into cars with people that we don't know that we used an app on our phone to, to connect to, right? Yeah. But back then, you wouldn't share your name online. It was considered to be dangerous, potentially. However, what it also allowed you to do on Facebook was look for your friends and your family who Mm -hmm. also had profiles and make it very easy to connect with them. On MySpace, it was not easy to connect with people you knew because MySpace depended upon shared interests, not whether or not you know that person in real life. Yeah. So you could share your MySpace username with people and they could add you that way. But there was no easy way within the network itself for you to track down your friends and your family. Uh, You just had to hope that your friends like the same weird stuff you liked. Yep. And sadly, not enough people like eating Jello in their underwear while listening to They Might Be Giants. So I had hardly any friends. Which I don't understand at all. That's like the best yeah, thing. Yeah, don't knock it till you try it, people. <laughs> they also had poor product development. Yes. So MySpace made a bunch of products and features. As we said, they were rolled out slowly, but maybe not slowly enough. They were poorly built and they had a lot of bugs and it It caused a lot of frustration among the users. Yeah, Chris DeWolf would say that one of the big reasons he felt MySpace faltered was that they were spread too thin. Mm -hmm. They had all these ideas for different features they wanted, and instead of contracting that out or inviting developers to work on the platform with them, they decided to try and tackle it all themselves. And they just didn't have the skill set to do it, nor did they have the focus because they were trying to do too many things at once. And so what you ended up with were a bunch of half-baked features that didn't work so well. 
and just added to that user experience frustration. And meanwhile, Facebook was taking the different approach. They opened up an API, an, an application programmer interface. And they said, if you want to build applications on top of the Facebook platform, do it. And that meant that you had teams that were really focused on creating very specific functions. Mm -hmm. And they could make it really, really great because that's all they were working on. They just wanted to make that one thing. MySpace was trying to make all of the one things. Yeah, yeah. So MySpace had a bunch of feature bloat on top of their ads. Yeah, just making it even more messy to yeah. visit. Yeah, and they also tried to go more global at that time. And unfortunately, the expansion, they they couldn't really make a lot of progress because Facebook had really Taken hit the most of those markets already. Yeah. Uh, the one place that was an exception was Mexico. Yeah, so in 2009, they do what all companies facing the brink do, and they lay off a bunch of employees, 30% yeah. of their employees. Right, that was pretty rough. They also... Uh, this was something I did not know until I read the notes that you had put together for this episode. MySpace was, in some ways, a, a banner child for the wasteful startup, even though at mm -hmm. this point they were no longer a startup. They were part of a much larger company. One of the things I often associate in my head with startup companies is ostentatious, expensive office space that tends to emphasize style over function. MySpace managed to go one better than that. Yeah, they were paying a million dollars a month for an office in Playa Vista, and they never actually moved in. They might have had intentions to, but they didn't. So they were paying a million dollars a month for an empty office space. Yes. Wow. All right, yeah, so that that's, by the way, we're going to have some lessons at the end of this episode about <laughs> about things that MySpace did wrong. I'm just going to cut to the chase here. That's bad business. Yes. To pay a million dollars for space that you're not using. And News Corp would eventually in 2010 say, you know, maybe we made a few missteps. Uh, we might not have done this the best way over the last couple of years, which was the entire time that they had had MySpace. Yeah, they're like three or four years. You're like, you've had them five. So the first year, you were good. Yeah. In 2010, they also decided, well, we're going to fix that. We're just going to try to copy Facebook. And e they even integrated with Facebook Connect, but it was too late. Yeah. People who were interested in Facebook were, were on Facebook. Facebook. They yeah. didn't need to have a second Facebook to their Facebook. It wasn't a, that meme, yo, dog, I see you like Facebook, so I put Facebook in your Facebook. In your, yeah. But there, there's a common theory that if they had started copying Facebook from the beginning— that maybe they could have... They would have just been yeah, Facebook. They, they would have, have held on to their, their user base, and then Facebook would have only been an aging college population. Yeah, which is what they did in the first place because they copied Friendster. So yeah. they didn't follow their own success line. Yeah, Mike Jones, who was the CEO of the company, was essentially, he said, we're not really a social networking site anymore. We're not like Facebook. Now we are a social entertainment destination. Mm -hmm. And this was really where we saw a big push to redefine MySpace. Unfortunately, MySpace's popularity had fallen so much that this rebranding, even though it would take place a couple of different times, like they, they tried rebranding a couple of times, didn't have the impact needed to really bring MySpace back no. in force. So they tried to just be a complimentary service bands could use to Facebook to promote their music, which is still something that happens today. Mm -hmm. Although I'm surprised because it's only bands discovering other bands, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> I will say that if you want to 
check out music and music videos. The way it works on MySpace is way easier than on Facebook. Facebook is not well designed for that. No, it's not. However, everything else, like all the people you know, tend to be on Facebook. Yeah. So there still is not that much uh, call to go over to MySpace. So MySpace knew it was, (laughs) they knew, you know, I said we're an entertainment hub. They were predicting a loss of $165 million in 2011. That was the expected loss after laying off a large amount of people, leaving them with like only 450 employees. They had had almost 1,000 more than that mm-hmm. just a couple of years earlier. Yeah, and, and then that year, their users dropped by 9 million. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lot of people. Yeah, and then in 2011, one of the most infamous deals in business history, let alone the tech business <laughs> history, News Corp would sell MySpace. They tried to sell MySpace for around $100 million, but they eventually had to settle for $35 million. At least that's what was reported. Yeah. That that was a $35 million price tag. That is a tiny fraction of what they paid for it. Yeah. And at that point, they were losing about 40 million users a year overall, Mm -hmm. overall. And, you know, you're looking at a half billion dollar loss if you're looking at how much they paid to to acquire MySpace versus how much they got when they sold it. Yeah. And they laid off half of the employees who were still there. (laughs) At this point, it was looking really, really ugly. By the way, we'll talk in a second about the company that bought MySpace because that is another interesting part of this story. It is. Before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. It's The Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> Ooh. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Oh. Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. So, MySpace gets purchased for $35 million, pennies on the dollar, for what News Corp paid for it. Who bought it? Well, a couple of people were looking at it, but the people who ended up buying it were Specific Media Mm -hmm. and Justin Timberlake. (gasps) He brought Sexy back. He did. And he, he did also, not say bye bye bye. No, he brought he brought sexy <laughs> back and he bought MySpace. Yes, um, along with specific media. Now they were really looking at turning MySpace into more of this sort of destination for a social music kind of platform where mm-hmm. you could discover music, you could find other people who are into the same sort of music you were in. It was meant to be kind of the way MySpace had originally launched but with a very slick redesign. But again, this happened pretty late in the game. And I don't think, like, I remember I went back to MySpace to check it out after this happened. 
because I was very curious uh, once it was redesigned. And while I thought it was a slick redesign, I could find no reason to go back frequently. And so it would only be if I just happened to think about it every few months, like, oh, I wonder what MySpace looks like now. So they still are a music and entertainment consumption site. In 2015, Specific Media rebranded to Viant Tech. Yep. And then the following year, Viant Tech was purchased by Time Incorporated. Mm -hmm. I I love that one of the articles about this acquisition was Time accidentally buys MySpace. Yes. But it was because of multiple things. One, they were buying the overall company, not just MySpace. Two, one of the things that MySpace had was still incredibly valuable. And that was the information about all the people who had had MySpace accounts. Yes. So this is when I went back to MySpace to see if I could find my old account, which, of course, I could not. Mm -hmm. But they still have all my information, what I put in there. And that we know information is valuable. Yes. There are entire companies that exist just to broker information across in order to make uh, ad deals, that kind of stuff. And so really, when you look at it, the deal that Time made was not really for MySpace necessarily. It was really for the one billion, billion. registered yeah. user database. That's what it really was about. Now, you know, all this being said, all of this sadness about MySpace, it is something we should note. Facebook, as of this recording, is losing some of its younger user base because technology it evolves. Yeah, well, and also you get to a point where young people who are growing up look at a social network that seems to have all older people on it. And they want something for themselves, yes. right? They don't want to go to where all the old people are hanging out, which is a large reason why a lot of the Facebook folks didn't have any interest in moving over to MySpace. MySpace was viewed as the place where adults and total perverts were hanging yes. out because of yes. its terrible reputation. So people stuck to Facebook. And then now you have, you know, that was a decade ago. So now you have a different generation who says, well, I don't really want to go to fa- mom's on Facebook. Why don't I want to go to Facebook? Well, and there's this other thing uh, going on where a lot of the younger generation doesn't want to put things up that can be found forever. Yeah. So you put something on Facebook, you can change your privacy settings, but largely it's in the inner space forever unless you go back and delete it. Whereas something like Snapchat at least has the appearance of mm-hmm. it deleting, although that story is more complicated than that. Also, in the interest of full disclosure, both of us have moms who are on Facebook. Yes. And also, Facebook does have their story feature, which is similar to Snapchat. You put something up, it's only there for a brief period of time. Yeah. Although, how long that stays on a server is another question. Yes. And here are some lessons. Ooh, I like learning. That we can learn from MySpace. Some stuff that uh, that really kind of sums up the issue with the brink here. One is that they found out that focusing on monetization over user experience is a dangerous Mm -hmm. thing. And when it went to the extreme that MySpace did, it ends up hurting the business in the long run. Now, that's not to say that you can't focus on monetization. Facebook obviously did. Yes. And did quite well. But gradually. Yeah, they kind of focused on building the social side first and then the monetization, whereas MySpace sort of flipped that. Uh, Another was that the kitchen sink approach to designing and implementing new features means you're not really going to do anything well. You might end up with a lot of new features, but you probably didn't make them as good as you had intended. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a frustrating experience to use them, and it may not add anything to the user experience, at least nothing positive at the end of yeah. the day. And so you really need to be picky and choosy about those features. And, and maybe ask the question, what do the users actually want? 
You know, not all of us can be Steve Jobs where we come out and tell you what you want and then you realize, oh, I do want that. Yes. So don't try to be Steve Jobs if you're not Steve Jobs. Not everybody wants to go to somebody's profile and have Guar blasted at them. Yeah. (laughs) Also, by relying on aliases and handles, that old style of the approach to the internet, MySpace made it very hard to connect with people that you actually knew. And Facebook made it very easy. So this plays into something that social networking experts, and and when I say social networking, I don't just mean online social networks. I mean, it could be just, yeah, it could just be your friends, just your group of friends, right? Beyond, like, computers are not even involved. But social networking experts say that the Facebook approach allowed for creating strong triadic closures, which is an interesting concept. The basic idea of a triadic closure when it comes to friends is where Link gets the sword and. No, that's the gets- Triforce closure. <laughs> now, the triadic closure, Ariel, is when you see that two people have a friend in common, mm-hmm. right? Let's say that you and I both have a common friend, but we don't know each other yet. So, Ariel, you have this one friend, I have that one friend, and we're both really close with that one person. The triadic closure thought experiment goes that. People who have very strong friend connections to a common friend are more likely to also become friends. Facebook's model works on that principle as well because I'm sure you've had this experience where you visited a uh, a person's profile and you see someone maybe active Mm -hmm. on that profile. Like, oh, that person sounds interesting. And then over time, you start interacting with that person and you become friends, right? Uh, And also you find out in Facebook that the world is much smaller than you thought it was. And you'll find out that people that you know in totally different circles somehow know each other. And that seems wrong. And then your brain explodes and you lay on the ground eating ice cream with a cat laying on your head for hours. Yes. So those are the (laughs) lessons we've learned from MySpace, that cats laying on your head are very good at soothing you. And uh, they're great therapy. And also just the thought of being too big to fail is toxic. You cannot take that philosophy to heart. I mean, Facebook is always in danger of doing that as well. And while Facebook now is larger than MySpace ever was, it's not to say that it's always going to be there. Yeah. You know, it's a a thing that is worth remembering is that it's always possible there's another social networking site down the line or even something totally different that we can't anticipate just now that will, quote-unquote, take down Facebook the way Facebook took down MySpace. Yes, so, fascinating story, and if you ever do a search for worst business acquisitions, the News Corp MySpace one is almost always on that list. It was just it was not unfortunate. The, not the most expensive by any stretch of the imagination. There were bigger deals that went bad, but it was one that was just very, very high profile. And it also was one where a lot of people felt like it would be difficult to mess it up yeah. because MySpace was so far ahead when it was all happening. But lesson there, you can mess it up. Yes. Well, I'm glad we were able to revisit this. I'm sad Tom is no longer my friend. You know what? I bet he still is. Just in his heart. In his heart, he is still. He's still friends with all one billion. He cherishes all one one billion. billion. MySpace people. Well, that's sweet of Tom. I appreciate that, Tom. And until next time, this has been The Brink, and I have been Jonathan Strickland. And I have been Ariel Kasten. If you would like to learn more about what we've talked about, as well as keep track of all of our episodes, make sure you visit our website at thebrinkpodcast.show. Or you can email us at feedback at thebrinkpodcast.show.
Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council.